Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And give me an amen once you are there. The Apostle Paul has been instructing the church concerning the eating of meat that had previously been offered to idols. There were those in the Corinthian church that had a real problem eating meat, eating barbecue, or buying meat that had been previously uh, offered, given as an offering to these pagan gods. And so the issue was uh, the eating of meat that was offered to idols. And you had one, some people in church that had a real problem with it, and you had others who had knowledge that the idol was nothing, right? And it is nothing. The one thing that is something is God. God's the true God, and all of these pagan idols are nothing but the imaginations of, of men's minds. And, and yes, there's demons, but as Christians, none of that can touch us. None of that hurts us. And so Paul says, you have knowledge of this, but the loving thing to do is to restrict yourself rather than to make the, the brothers who, whose consciences are weaker, not make them stumble. And Paul the Apostle said, you know, if, if me makes my brother stumble, then I'll never eat it again. And so his heart was, was for the kingdom of God. His heart was for the souls of men. It wasn't about him um, fighting for his right to eat. And he had the right to eat. We all have the right to eat whatever meat we want to eat. No problem. But that's not where his heart was. His heart was, how do I win more people to Christ? And he realized if he restricted himself, then he was just opening the door for that many more people to be saved. He didn't want uh, someone with a weaker conscience who Christ died for. He didn't want to mess up that work that Christ was doing in that person's life. And by offending their conscience, uh, he would be doing so. So he said, you know what? It, it's not about that. It's about souls. And so he restricted himself. And then in this chapter, he talks about how he further restricts himself in a practical way. It says here, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so Paul takes an interesting little turn before he gets into how he restricts himself further. He asks the question, a rhetorical question, am I not an apostle? Why would he ask that? And he's asking this rhetorical question, you know, expecting an affirmation, affirmative response from the reader. Absolutely, you're an apostle, but why would you even say that? It's because the Corinthian church that he had planted only four years prior, mind you, when he was there, he was only there for a year and a half. 
But he brought the message of the gospel. He, he brought the message of Jesus Christ to a lost people, right? Repentance, forgiveness of sins, the cross, the resurrection. That the only way a man can be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ. He brought that message and the church was birthed in Corinth. But there were some within the church who were questioning his credibility. There were some within the church who were questioning his apostolic authority. And that's why he's saying that. He's addressing that. And in fact, he would go on to address it a lot more in the second book of 2 Corinthians, right? He would, he would address it in a lengthy sense in chapter 10 of the second book. But here he begins because within the church, it's incredible that the very people who have salvation because of him, because of his obedience to Christ, to come from Jerusalem hasta Corinth, which is super far, to bring the message. He did all of this good for them. How much good did he do? You tell me. How much is the gospel worth? How much is eternal salvation worth? He blessed them. He gave to them. He counseled them. He spoke to them. He planted it. And yet, there were those within the church that were hating on him. Now, my brothers and sisters, people will sometimes, you know, uh, turn from you even when you love on them in Christ. That's part of the Christian experience. Did you know that? Paul being hated by the very people that he loved on is him growing in his relationship with Jesus. So don't be surprised that in your walk, in your journey with the Lord, as you minister to people, as you care for people, as you love people, as you take care of them in various ways as the Holy Spirit leads you, don't be surprised if there are some who don't, you know, um, shoot it back to you in honor and respect. It happens, and it's part of the Christian experience. Jesus, our Lord himself, was rejected. We know that in John chapter 6, there was multitudes of people, and he spoke to them concerning his flesh and his, his body and his blood and how, and he was speaking in a spiritual sense, but they took it like literally physically. And he was speaking of the closeness that one ought to, needs to have with him in order to be saved. And it says that from that point on, their disciples, many disciples walked away from him, not just people, his disciples. And so you know the story that Jesus turned to the twelve. And he said to them, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We think about the 10 lepers that Jesus healed. Remember that in Luke 17. And he told them to go show themselves to the priest. Mind you, when they needed help, they cried out and said, have mercy on us. And he touched them and they were clean. Or he said the word and they were clean. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And so while they were on their way, one of them came back to thank the Lord. And Jesus said to the one, were there not 
uh, any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this one foreigner, this Samaritan leper came back to thank him. But he was rejected. And so we will be rejected by those we do good to. Think about that. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. How many people did Jesus help? And in fact, if you think about all God desires for us in our abiding in him and in our service to him, is if you love me, if you're grateful for what I've done for you, then shoot it back to me. Respond to that love by honoring me and doing what I say. And we see that Paul the Apostle in Corinth the very church he planted, who should have been affirming who he is to everybody. He's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Respect him, honor him. They should have been the ones. Why? Because God sent him to them. And there's just that reminder of giving honor to whom honor is due, the Bible says. Real honor, not talk, real honor. I think of King David when he wrote as, as he was trying to do good, but it was taken as and spoken of as evil. In Psalm 35, verse 12 through 15, he says, They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. But in my adversity, they rejoiced and gathered together. It's just part of the walk. I want to be like Jesus, don't you? Don't you want to care for people in spite of how they respond to you? That's the key to Christian growth. You know, we love... Because Christ loved us. If we serve each other, if we do good to people so that we can get a response that they would like us, that's using the ministry of Jesus Christ to fulfill a psychological need to be liked by people. We serve the Lord. We're good to people because we're already liked and loved by God. It doesn't matter if it's uh, reciprocated. doesn't matter. We do it unto the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. It doesn't matter if they hate on you after you've been good to them. It's part of the plan. Welcome to Jesus' experience. He did good to everybody. And many hated him for it. It's part of growth. And may God strengthen us to love and, and not worry if, it's, if it doesn't come back our way. I've learned that over the years. I really have. To grow thicker skin. But I want a soft heart with that thicker skin. I don't, I don't want to, to, to become a bitter. There's some pastors or some ministers become bitter. Take that stuff all personal. It's harder when we're small. When we're a smaller church, maybe, you know, 
10 years ago, it was harder. But it's true. God is our reward. I see God's blessings, and it's like it doesn't matter what anybody says or does to us. We're so being blessed by God. It doesn't matter. You can't take from me what God has given me quicker than what he's giving me more. It's just it's just an ocean, a big living water. Just I mean, bless this much. And then the hate, the hate is like that. And the enemy wants to blow it all up. Like the hate is like, hate it. I don't do it. I don't do it for kudos anyways. We do it because we love the Lord. And that's true agape love. Like, oh, wow, really? And sometimes you're shocked by it. Paul says, am I not an apostle? Because they were saying, questioning this credibility. They were hating on him. There are people that are hating on him. He goes, am I not an apostle? And look at what he says. Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Ooh. Like, who else in Corinth has seen the Lord? You know what I'm saying? He saw the Lord. Like, it's almost like that statement is like, show some respect. I've seen Jesus. Woo! Mm, That's a good one. That's a burn. Are you not my, and then he goes, are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship. We learn from these statements here. To be confident in who you are in Christ. He says, am I not an apostle? Rhetorical question, right? That's like you and I saying, am I not redeemed? Does the blood not cover me? Does his righteousness not sit on me? Of course it does. I'm redeemed. I don't care what my flesh says, what my heart says, what Satan says, what the world says. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I know who I am. I'm also an adopted son of God. And so are you if you put your faith in the Lord on this Father's Day. If you put your faith in Christ, you are his son and you are his daughter adopted. This day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, it can be weird. To some people, weird, it is. Not everybody had a good dad. Not everybody had a good mom. Some have, and there's that aspect of, uh, of it's, it's, it's joy. Some, some fathers are, are now with the Lord. They're not no longer here. It can be a hard day for people in that sense that they're no longer here, and it's hard. But some never had dads. You know, I fall in that category I fall in that category and uh, you know so all my life it was hard until I came to know Christ it was hard growing up in Almani is it's a tough neighborhood I mean I was there in the middle of gang in the 90s Late 80s, early 90s. You know, I graduated, uh, I was supposed to graduate, that is. At nine, in 93, I got my diploma. 93. But it was gangster-fied. There was all kinds of killings. But growing, you know, I had a stepfather. It was abusive. You know, abusive. Terrorist. 
My mother was disinterested. No brothers to back me up. In that tough neighborhood, man, I was thinking about it the other day, and I remember as a, as a, as a kid, like in elementary school, being terrified about getting jumped. Terrified about getting jumped. And uh, at various times, various times, fear was a part of my life. From a little boy, fear, straight up fear. I was so afraid of my stepfather, I wet the bed till I was 14. I fought him back. I finally hit him back. And I never wet the bed again. Talk about that psychological. So then I joined a gang. And I could care less about this world. I wasn't upset at, at like my father who wasn't there, my real father. I wasn't upset at him. I, I was upset at God. And I hated this world. I had so much hatred for this world that, you know, I wasn't the type to mess with people. But if people crossed the line, I wouldn't stop. I was that violent. No one's going no to help you. No one's going to save you. I'm going to beat you till I'm done. And I was that way towards my enemies. And then God got a hold of me. And so I wasn't like all upset or bitter at mom, or, or my father was. I wasn't, because I felt I was a bigger sinner. They're Mickey Mouse in com comparison to, to my sins. That's how I felt. I've been forgiven. It's no problem. I'll forgive. And I started to learn how much God loved me and how he says in his word that you and I were fearfully and wonderfully made, that he covered us when we were in our mother's wombs, that he had a plan for us all along. I am very blessed to have gone through even all the pain as a kid. Blessed. Because I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't be, guys. I'm able to show the comfort in which I was comforted by God. I'm able to tell fatherless kids that God's a God of the fatherless. And what a wonderful father he is. It's almost like, my gosh, I got the better deal of the whole thing. He's that good. He's that good. He has blessed me. He has taught me. He has shown me how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a, a Christian, how to be a preacher, how to work hard and diligent, how to do a job interview, how to carry myself. He's taught me how, how to, he's warned me about being dumb and stupid and being like the world. He's so good. And he's your father too. And so I wasn't bitter, nothing, man. I Trust me, trust me when I say that. And I get a call when I'm 20 from my real dad, right? First thing I want to know is where, the, where in the world does Hussein come from? You know, thanks. You know what I mean? The Chicano neighborhood. Hussein. Shoot. Yeah. So anyhow, um, I go see him, and he's he's really not interested in a relationship. But he was doing really well financially. That kind of bothered me. Struggling, you know, not having much in South Omani. 
He owed $160,000 in back child support in, in way back then, guys. Uh, back then, that was a gang of money. That, that tells you how much he was making. Big old house. I didn't want it. I had it signed away so he didn't have to pay it. And then he never called again. You know what I'm saying? That's gangster stuff. So I was, I was pretty much just living this empty life in the streets with just hatred for this world. Still wasn't bitter towards that dude. You know, I felt at the time I ain't hating on him. It just is what it is. I'm a sinner too. By the way, when I came to Christ, no one had to tell me I was a sinner. You don't have to give me the law of God. I know I'm bad. I'm a bad, I know. The question is, do I want to be made well? And I wasn't ready until I was. And uh, God forgave me. And I get a call to do his funeral. Can you believe that? His, uh, his, uh, his uh, wife called. And when I was there, when I went to go see him that time, she said, you got your own family. Get out of here. Right? I, don't, I say that not so that you feel bad for me, but people have dad issues. And I want, hopefully, that my story can encourage you that who you need is God to be your father. I didn't feel a sense like I had to go save him or I had to be the fixer of problems. We're not the fixer. God's the fixer. You know, you know when someone's open. You don't need somebody to tell you, go force that door open. You're going to be the one to save them. You know God better than that. You're not called into bondage. If someone's open, you'll get the call. And I got the call when he was when he had passed away. And his and his his, his wife had looked me up through the website, found out I'm a pastor, read my story, and she just was weeping. She apologized to me on the phone for what she's you know. Don't worry. Because I'm telling you, I wasn't bitter. I have God. I don't need that. I, I just, what I need is for them to be okay with God. That's all. I don't need, you know, a dad to take me to the, the Dodger game. I'm good. God has taken me to a lot of games. God, my father, you know. So don't get me started on the Dodgers. But you know, it's all good. So Clarissa and I, hey, you know, they have good steaks in Vegas. Let's go get a steak and let's go preach the gospel. We got on the plane. I went down there. Oh, Hawaiian family. You know, the whole, all of his friends who were like finance dudes, you know. And just, I knew I was going to get a chance to preach the gospel. It's not, it's, it wasn't an emotion. It was just me being a witness for Christ wasn't a me, me about needing anything. I have all that I need in Christ. So I was able to just minister, preach the gospel, get out of there, grab a steak about that big. Amen. 
I had been hanging for like three months. Right? That's God's good. He's my father. All of us men here have an opportunity to be fathers to, to the kids in our church, our brothers here, to be big brothers and fathers. But that can only happen if you make yourself available. If you don't, you don't. Us men at the men's breakfast yesterday, we talked all about that. The whole chapter was about the knitting together of men, the knitting together between King David and Jonathan. That doesn't just happen. It's a God thing. It's God that drove me to want to be knitted. It's a self thing that drives me not to want to be knitted to anybody. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.